Across the millennium years is crunch time in this whole agenda, crunch time for the human race. This is the time when this network of interbreeding bloodlines wants to bring in its global fascist structure of a world government to which nation states would be administrative units, mm -hmm. um, of a world central bank and a world currency, a, a currency that wouldn't be cash, it would be merely electronic, for which there are fundamental implications for human freedom. And also the world army, which is designed to be NATO, um, expanding and expanding as it is now, of course, to become the fully fledged world army, world police force. And underpinning that little lot is designed to be a microchip population in which we are microchip with our financial details, our medical details. The, the audio is killing me as well, but substance over form. Substance over quality of audio. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that would allow not only electronic tagging, people knowing where we are all the time, it would allow the external manipulation through this electronic means of our mental and emotional processes. This will happen unless the human race wakes up and wakes up fast. And to do that, we need to understand what's really going on. And to let people know that, we've got to stop beating about the bush, stop pulling punches, stop pussyfooting around, keeping information from people, oh my goodness, how will they react? And just say, this is going on, take it or leave it, make of it what you will, but this is what's going on. Okay. I don't know who David Dick is, and I haven't been able... I, I feel like an ignorant buffoon for not knowing who David Dick is. Um, I probably should. But I saw that clip on Twitter today, and I'm like, oh, Mr. Dick, I'd like to subscribe to your, uh, to your pamphlet. Uh, where can I get more information, sir? <sighs> okay, and I want to know... This is 1998, and I think... Um, Jones was saying something similar. I mean, he was, he's been saying similar things. I don't know who said it first, David Dick or um, Alex Jones. Now, we're doing something different tonight as well because we are – oh, is it David Icke? Am I an idiot? It's David Icke. <laughs> okay. But hold on. Is David Icke now – now I know who David Icke is because I read about David Icke in, in John Ronson's books and um, – no, never mind. Then I know who David Icke is. Well, then I, I didn't. Oh, God, it's all coming together. I know who David Icke is now. Lizard people. And I think he was accused of being anti-Semitic. OK, so I, I, now I know who David. It's funny. I'm an idiot because I'm looking at the name on, 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 on Twitter and I just saw David Dick, David Dick. And I was like, oh, I don't know who that person is, but this sounds familiar. OK, forgiving the stupidity. Um, it's spelled Ike and it's pronounced Ike. Yes, yes, yes. OK. We're going to have to get past that moment of that brain fart because this happened early. Um, so who was saying it first between Alex Jones and David Icke? And it sounds, and I think other people said it before this. It's just um, that it's like, it's, it's, the, it's too difficult to actually comprehend, too difficult to believe until it's too late to deny. That's a very nice way of putting it, actually. All right. We're doing something different tonight in that this is exclusively on Rumble. So I'm not simultaneously streaming on YouTube and Rumble. This will all go on, on YouTube tomorrow. Um, but what makes it a little more difficult is that ordinarily I would be seeing comments pop up on YouTube. But I don't see those now because on StreamYard, 
Rumble is not fully integrated into um, StreamYard yet, so I don't see comments. So I have to toggle back between windows to the live view on Rumble versus what I see live in StreamYard. Okay. And when I want to bring up a window, it's going to be a little more complicated for me because I have to go back to StreamYard. So this, is, this might be a little technically uh, difficult for me to navigate first time doing it exclusively on Rumble. I could have just gone live directly from Rumble, but then I don't know how to share screen if I do that because I'm sharing screens tonight with the sponsors of tonight's stream. And I'm going to do both now because we have uh, very interesting stuff coming up. Jeremy McKenzie is going to be in in around five minutes. Jeremy McKenzie to give us an update on what's going on with him, which fits much into what David Icke was saying and what Alex Jones has been talking about forever. Uh, and then Alex Jones is coming in. Barnes is going to be here as well. Alex Jones should be coming in around 7.30 and it's going to be, it's going to be wild. And, and if I get my way, we're going to not talk about the stuff that I think that that horse that has been beaten to death over the last um, you know, several days. We're going to talk about other stuff, but it's going to come in Barnes, McKenzie, Jones. But first, the sponsors of tonight's stream, what do we want to start with? I think we'll start with gold because um, in the digital currency and in the age where your banks can get shut down, let's just you know set aside massive inflation, set aside stock market manipulation, set aside fraud, set aside crypto scam set aside all that other crap set aside that you have to make a hundred bucks um only to lose eight percent by having it sit in the bank we're living in a world where at any given point in time the government can come and say no bank for you sir you had you had too much to think no bank for you so uh, one way you know you get gold to hedge against inflation you get gold as a as a as a, as a time-tested true uh investment over thousands of years um, and what's good about it is that on the one hand, it's something you can touch and something you can hold and something you know that, you know, someone can steal your stock. Someone can, you know, steal your crypto currency. They can, someone can steal your, uh, your, your funds from an account because, you know, they don't have enough to insure it, whatever. Uh, gold is a little more tangible. Gold is a little more stable. Gold has proven to be a good investment. And gold, if they shut down your bank accounts, you can have a few coins somewhere and you can go to a pawn shop and turn that into cash and you're not, um, you know, it's insurance all around. Now, when it comes to gold as a, as a, as a material, uh, birch gold can roll over your investments into 401k and precious metals. You're buying gold. Gold is gold. You're buying a service when you go with a service like birch gold to get gold. Uh, thousands of five-star reviews, A plus by the Bureau of Better Business, the triple B thing, um, it's a, it's a phenomenal world-class company, uh, that will help you save your money, invest your money and have, um, protection from the uncertainties of life. Birchgold.com promo code Viva. You get a free info kit, uh, what sort of investments you can do, how you can roll over your 401k into precious metals. Um, and you know, have a few gold coins sitting around, uh, in a safe space, stick them in your pocket, uh, go to a pawn shop, go to wherever, and you can easily convert it to cash and you can sort of predict what it might be worth when you have to do that. Thank you, Birch Gold. Second sponsor of the night, Brickhouse Nutrition, fieldofgreens.com. Hold on, it's right here, is it up here? Yeah, we should be sharing it now. Um, this is a product that I use, healthy alternative to bad habits powdered greens, not extracts, not supplements. Um, 
Most people don't know you're supposed to have five to seven servings of fruits and vegetables uh, a day. Most people don't have it. Most people have bad habits. They don't exercise. They don't eat well. And then they go out and think diabetes is entirely uh, genetic and you need surgery and you need medication to live a healthy lifestyle. Bullcrap. Exercise, calories in, calories out, muscle toning, and eat healthy. You can't always get all of your fruits and veggies in a day, so you can have powdered fruits and vegetables desiccated. Desiccated, not defecated. It's a food. It's not an extract. It's USDA organic approved. It's made in America. You get your antioxidants. You get a, geez, Louise, a full serving of fruits and vegetables and all of the good stuff that comes with it. Boosted immunity, one spoonful twice a day. You're going to get two servings of fruits and vegetables and all of the nutrients. Fieldofgreens.com. It will bring you to Brickhouse Nutrition. A promo code Viva will get you 15% off your first order, 10% off subscription. And it's wonderful to have the luxury and the privilege and the honor uh, of, of having sponsors of products that you use. I'd like to use gold more often. I don't actually, I don't have a stash of gold, uh, but I've got a stash of Field of Green. So thank you. Links are in the description. And now what are we going to talk about? Um, I hope I gave the links to everybody. I, I'm fairly certain I did. Now I'm going to go back to Rumble. Okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to refresh Rumble and I'm going to see if I can do something very interesting. We'll see. If I go and share the screen with Rumble, what's going to happen if I do this? This might be too confusing. Rumble. So this now, if, if we do this and I go here, I don't think this is going to work because what you hear is going to always be off. <laughs> I can read the chat now. And it says, RJ Dizzle, da bone broth, da bone broth, da bone broth, mm-mm, good. By the way, uh, that's a project we're working on. Okay, now I can see what everyone looks at. Can't do this. Can't do this. Okay, so I'm going to go like this. I'm going to take this out. There's no, there's no way we can do this. It's going to be too distracting. If I want to see the comments, I'm going to have to go read them. Um, okay, Mackenzie's in the backdrop. Barnes is not yet in the house. And we don't have all that much time with Jeremy. And I know I can burn through 20 minutes with Jeremy in a heartbeat. Oh, sorry, Jerry. Hold on. <laughs> sorry, Jeremy. Let me give you the heads up there. Uh, three seconds. <laughs> okay. Jeremy McKenzie. And we're, uh, and I'm laughing now, but I'm actually laughing out of something of rage. The eyes are the window to the soul. And I'm looking at my eyes right now. And I'm, I, I know when I'm actually angry about the state of the world. Let's bring him in. Jeremy, are you ready? Give me the thumbs up if you can. Uh, okay. We're good. Sir. Good thing you were. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're angry. Why would you be? Why is such a thing? I'm angry for you. Um, oh, I can't yeah. imagine what you're what you're like. I'm a I'm like a kitten. I'm just uh, you know purring away over here. It's uh, I'm couldn't be happier. <laughs> well, I I'm, I might be projecting, but I'm looking at your <laughs> eyes. I'm looking at your eyes. I don't see anger. I see I see stress and distress. But I might just be projecting. You might be a stronger person than yeah. than me. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I think I'm just uh, rolling. You get used to it. Once you, you know, the stress levels hit, you know, maximum, you can't really come. It is what it is. You know, I used to, you know, we talked about this before. I remember when I was a kid, I would be, you know, really stressed out about exams or something in, in high school or, or, you know, there's a kid at school that wants to beat me up and you're having a panic attack. And it's like, well, yeah, that feeling is like of maximum, like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to, is the same as when you're pinned down by enemy machine guns, you know, it's the same feeling. It's just, uh, you get, you get used to different stressors and then eventually you just become, you know, it's, it's like anything else. It's, uh, just, you know, just 
deal with it and, and deal with the situation. That's really all you can do. Well, uh, everybody on my end knows what the situation is to some extent. I, I presume everyone on your end also knows, but give us give us the latest now. So Friday afternoon, you get this call, which you record. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, we're, we're, you're in Canada. It's a, two, it's a uh, one-party consent country regardless. But they're recording. You say, I better record this call. Um, and you get a Friday afternoon call from a bank, a nice, polite person, and you know you Graham. know that the jig is up. Yeah. What, yeah. what happens? Yeah, they, they, there was no warning. There was no altercation. There wasn't like, uh, you know, people were like, well, you must have did something. Were you in the bank, you know, slapping people around? No, I was just minding my own business as I had been. And uh, they called me on a Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock to say that your services are no longer uh, we're not interested in that. We're going to be canceling all of your accounts and so on. And it'll be explained in this letter you're going to get on, on Monday. And, you know, people have heard the call if they're interested, it's out there. And, and then on Monday, the letter comes and it says, uh, nothing illuminating or interesting. Just the fact that we're canceling all of these accounts. And if you show up to ask any questions, we'll have you arrested. Um, sign yours truly Scotiabank, apparently as an entity of its own with no name, phone number, contact information. Now there's no appeal. There's no anything like that. And, it, you know, the debanking is one thing. Everyone's like, well, he's, a, he's an unsavory character. He's a yeah. doesn't doesn't fit their risk assessment, despite, you know, your, your military mm. pension. Well, T- TD Bank, for instance, had a, a Jeffrey Epstein account after he was already, you know, convicted for being a pedophile. Um, so, you know, this isn't if, that, if that's their argument. I guess there's a lot of people that need to have their bank accounts terminated. Uh, but the, the, I, didn't, I didn't realize the enforcement of like moral authority and law enforcement was the job of the financial industry. I didn't realize that. Well, no, that now they're confounding financial risk with with moral risk. Like, oh, my God, mm. you, you, <laughs> you it's you're dangerous to be associated with by providing you a, 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 an entity into which you can place your government mm. military pension. But it wasn't it, yeah. so that the afternoon call, you know, people can say the writings on the wall when it comes to certain entities because or certain individuals who have been you know basically turned into domestic terrorists. If through no other reason other than just mere hyperbolic rhetoric that becomes a fact, you haven't been charged with anything terrorist related yet. Diagalon has not been designated a terrorist organization like the Proud Boys, although, you know, who knows what's on the back burner. But (laughs) above and beyond debanking you, they say you can't come onto the premises anywhere. And if you do, it's trespassing, you'll get arrested. And then I'm just sitting there thinking, how are you supposed to withdraw money from an ATM? You, You don't. Uh, you'll have to use someone else's. And you know, I've been calling around some, some just, I'm not surprised. I, I'd kind of been expecting this for a while. So I'm not really super, you know, concerned. I've taken some steps to kind of mitigate something like this. And that wasn't a shock. I wasn't, you know, oh my God, I figured, I was like, oh, it's the bank calling. They only call you for two reasons to tell you that they're trying to sell you something or to tell you to get lost. And <laughs> I got the other call. Um, I've been calling a couple other banks, credit unions, and they all, you know, um, we're sorry to say, but our risk department has determined that blah, 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 blah. So that's just how it is across the board here. So I guess I'm, I'm seems to be, I'm barred from financial institutions uh, all across the country. It seems like even small credit unions, local everywhere. So it's outrageous because they're, they're actually trying to destroy a human in real time. It's one thing to be public enemy. Number one, it's another thing to face criminal charges. Uh, I don't know if you're involved in any civil suits. Are you, do I know if you're involved in any? Not civil yet. Suits? I'm more, so, I have an appointment on Friday. Yeah. So, so no. So so, the, so they press criminal charges. You need a defense attorney. It's like you need an attorney. It's a constitutional right, but your right to a bank account to pay that attorney. And not, it's it's a, it's a it's an irrelevant cor- corollary. Um, what what I mean, they're, they're trying to ruin you as a human. Yeah. Uh, how, what do you what what do you it, first of all how are you dealing with it? 
So, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, fortunately, I, I just think like, I, I try to look, I, I don't like to do, I used to do this a lot when I was younger, when I was a teenager, when I was in my twenties, I was the, the poor me, I'm a victim. Like, why is this happening to me kind of stuff? But this could happen to someone else that is not capable of, of dealing with this. This could have been someone else who doesn't have the skill sets and experiences I do. And they, they wouldn't do I don't know what would happen to somebody like that. I, so thankfully I'm, I'm, you know, I can handle it. So I, so I do. Um, but what's really frightening is that people have lost this idea. Like we've, we've disconnected from the idea that mob think is a bad thing. Now it's fine. As long as you're part of the mob, then anyone that disagrees with the mob is it's okay to destroy these people. We fought wars against this mentality. This is what our, our generational thinking, this is what the legacy of our military units and stuff is based upon. Like, you know, these, these wars in Europe and stuff, fighting totalitarianism and, and all of the Cold War and all this kind of stuff. That the idea that the, the minority can be oppressed by an, an aggressive majority that says, we're just going to do this to you because we can. Uh, now it's happening here. The exact same thing is happening. Like they, they, things don't just happen in a vacuum. You know, uh, the, um, guy, some guy doesn't just show up one day and go, you yeah, know, let's put all these people in camps. There's a slow, there's a progressional um, a pattern you can trace to how this happens. And, and you know, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here, but that certainly is the attitude that's taken root along most Canadians. A lot of people seem to be fine with it. They say, well, a bank account isn't a right. It's a privilege. Sure. So is, so is a power plant. So is electricity. So is indoor plumbing. Why, why can't somebody contact your power company and say, why are you, why are you supplying this person with electricity? Don't you see what they're saying on the internet? Don't you see what they've written about them in the news? They're horrible. You know, and they say, oh, you're right. We should, we should, we're not, we're not, you know, our risk appetite and, and, and so on. Where does it end? In, in New Brunswick, they wanted to ban people from grocery stores for being unvaccinated. And most people were like, you know what? That's fine because I'm, you know, I'm on this team and I, I agree with it. No, they, they said they, they, Where can, does... they can pick it up at the curb. They, they don't have to, yeah. <laughs> if, they don't, if they don't want to take the shot, no pun yeah. intended for the rest of us. Yeah. But it's people don't understand it. Like, okay, cut off electricity. He's a he's a he's a domestic terrorist. What yeah. what blows my freaking mind? Based on that, what? No, no. Based on what? you haven't been. Yeah. Even if you have been convicted of a crime, even if you were convicted of the crime yeah. of Holocaust denialism, mm. I, I then said, like I said on Richard Surrett, what day is it today? On Monday. It's like, all right, great. What's next? Election deniers? They're going to say we're going to debank <laughs> you if you question the election. We're we're, we're not. Well. Following. There is science deniers and there's climate deniers and, and all of this kind of thing. And you know, there are convicted terrorists in this country that have millions of dollars. They still have a bank account and the government put ten and a half million dollars in that. Oh, account. Yeah, well, no. Hey, hey they, they got he's he's got to have a bank account. Where is he going to go cash that ten million dollar check from the government? Right, right. Um, I'm on. just a veteran. I, I'm sorry. I just fought the Taliban. I didn't fight for them. So I guess I'm not entitled to the, to, the, to that same. Like if someone like that in the eyes of the Canadian public is still a person. Still a redeemable person with, you know, rights and in their chart, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, someone who was fighting for the Taliban, killing NATO soldiers. But I'm this reprehensible, vulgar, you know, mentally just all the things they, they say about me are just I saw um, Sheila Gunn Reid on, on Rebel the other day infer that, uh, oh, well, he was in the military. So he's clearly like disturbed. Are, are you saying that just just are you a doctor? Because I was in the military and I have an outspoken opinion. I must be disturbed in the head. Um, when did this become okay in this country for people to say things like that? I, I don't know when it, when the day was, but it's getting worse by the hour and no one in, in the political establishment certainly is, is too keen to, to tackle this head on. Well, we're all in this together. At least they are. Some people, there haven't been that many actually, but some people are like Viva, how could I set up a go? Everyone, everyone knows this now. We've set, I've set up a give, send, go for, for your benefits. Uh, I'm not going to touch a penny out of it, uh, directly or indirectly. Because I'm pissed off with this. I, I'm, yeah. I'm actually pissed off. And then I hear people, some people tell me, Viva, he's, he's an anti-Semite. He's, he's, he's denied the Holocaust. I'm like, first of all, no, I, even, I, oh, I want to ask you that in a second. But I say, first of all, even if he did, I would still do this. And I would probably still mm. do this to prove that exact point. I, mm. 
I, it's not because someone is an anti-Semite, a racist, a Holocaust denier. They might be a reprehensible person, but it's that we don't go full China on them and start mm -hmm. cutting off bank accounts, cutting off their right to live in a society. And what do you do by doing that? You certainly don't contradict those those um, hateful sentiments that the person might have. When it comes to you, Jeremy, I, I know you as well as I can know someone who I've never met but spent hours with online. Sure. I don't think you're an anti-Semite. I don't think you're a mean-spirited person. I think you say stupid things. Um that, that are edgy comedy, but what, where does this accusation of anti-Semitism, Holocaust denialism come from as it relates to you? You'll, you'll have to ask them. I've been an outspoken critic of the Israeli government for a long time. I think a lot of it stems from that. And I'm, you know, I stand by that. I don't think there's anything wrong with, I, I don't, I don't like it because it's just, that's what they do. This is identity politics. All, all of this is bad and all of these people are bad and all this. I've never, never engaged in that. I've never supported that. I don't believe in that. I think it's lazy thinking. I think you should judge everybody on the basis of who they are as a person. And how they act and behave, I really don't care what kind of skin costume you're wearing. Like I've always said, and anyone is, anyone that's followed me for this long, and I guess my entire audience must also be all these horrible people as well, because I've been at this for seven years, and some of these people have been with me the whole time. And I've always always maintained, I don't care. You know, Are you a good person or not? Are you someone I would want to be around and, and befriend and be near my family and children? Or are you somebody I don't want to be around? That's it. That's my only real... Uh, prerequisite you know I, I can get along with anybody's but um but because of stuff like that and you know i've i've had a keen interest in the second world war and stuff like that so they just these are these are things they like to throw at people they've done it they do it to everyone everyone's a nazi everyone's racist they're a misogynist they're a pick an ism a bigotry of some kind there's always some kind of uh thing they can slap at you because it's a you know a detestable label that turns off people from wanting to hear what you have to say it's a way it's a means of silencing people and they've been very effective at it and they've been doing it for a long time I'm going to bring I'm going to bring something up. Let me just get to Wikipedia. This was one of the accusations I, I do remember saying where uh, I, I, I have not seen where you said it. But one of the accusations is that you said Schindler's List was a work of fiction. Uh, and I think that's the basis to, to allege that you're saying, therefore, by extension, the Holocaust is a work of fiction. Do you remember saying this? I, I, am I not? I'm not uh, hallucinating. Mm, I remember commenting. I, I can't remember the the, the the gist of the conversation, but basically, like, uh, somebody was arguing... I don't I don't like when people take Hollywood and and use this as like, look, proof this this is like that's not an argument like so zero dark 30 is a, was a very big Hollywood blockbuster movie. And that's now because people are lazy. They don't read books. They don't check alternative information themselves they don't do anything. That is now that's the bin Laden raid that had like that's what happened. I saw it on TV. You didn't see anything. You saw a movie. You saw a CIA produced propaganda film. That, and now that's collectively ingrained in the consciousness. People so don't like that. And that's kind of like there's there's plenty of actual real information you can go look at. I don't like it when people, you know, lean on a Hollywood film as an argument. And yeah. that film is based on a book, you know, so the film isn't this isn't a documentary. It, it, this is this is not. These are actors. You know what I, I mean? I, I, so and, and it's just because I happen to, you know, know probably more than the average uh, the average bear. Uh, I, I knew I knew. I mean, I, I recalled knowing this where it the, it won. It's, yeah, it's it not to say the whole. It's not to say the Holocaust is fiction. Right. It's to say that that book, Liam Neeson, that that story yes. is, is, is a work of fiction that is contextualized within the broader context right. of the Holocaust. Like if I said, like Saving Private Ryan is a fictional movie. It's a, it's a work of fiction. It's, you know, that didn't happen. There was no private. Well, maybe there might have been. But that those people, this isn't a documentary. These aren't right. You know what I mean? It's a yep. it's a fictional movie set in the setting of another time period. Anyway, I, but, I don't but, like but, it. When, argue with hollywood is like well that's not an education hollywood is propaganda the tv it's entertainment that's all it is and when you start leaning on that 
for a basis of an argument or your your intellectual understanding of the world around you, you're going down the wrong road, man. Well, and also I had to contextualize the accusation of your Holocaust denialism because people say he said it. The, the, it's a work of fiction, and then nobody understands it. And the bottom line is, hmm. I, I would I would sooner trust you to babysit my kids than Justin Trudeau. If, we, if, if we're if, 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 <laughs> take, take that for what it's worth, Jeremy. Um, yeah. But so, and so I, I want everyone to know that yeah, yeah, like people will refuse to acknowledge jokes, understand sarcasm, cynicism, dark humor when they want to. And they'll also just misrepresent things knowing that no one's going to go and actually understand it uh, to to make sure. Okay. So you're screwed right now. Uh, You have until when to take, to get your money out of that bank account and then have nowhere to put it. Yeah. And I I do want to also mention, like, I didn't ask you to, you just did this on your own out of the goodness of your own heart to set this up. And I very much, I would like to extend my thank you to, and on behalf of my family and Morgan and everyone, it was, it was, I was touched. I couldn't believe uh, that, you know, that someone would do this for me. I, you know, it was just, I I can't say enough. You're, you know, I I want to, my immediate panic attack was I set it up and then I'm like, well, what if, what if that's an actor on the line? What if that was a fake call? And I'm like, okay, well, then then I see, then I see your letter. I was like, well, what if you, what if you made up that little, no, yeah. so, no, I, I was, I was, in, I was as enraged as I could have gotten Saturday. Yeah. Like this is just not, it's yeah. not acceptable. And smart people saying, yeah. "Well, he's, he's a bad man. He's, a, he threatened to, you know, assault." <laughs> I was like, dude, first of all, that's a Will Ferrell joke from SNL in the nineties. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I can't put up. Well, and, my, and too, and, and these these people that want to play moral, you know, white knight savior and all. Oh, he's, I can't believe he would say that. The, these people you're you're you think are so they're sending billions of dollars to fund war criminals all over the world. Did you know that genocidal regimes like in Saudi Arabia killing the Yemeni? Like we're training Saudi Arabian you know pilots and soldiers to mass murder people in Yemen. We've been giving money to warlords and despots and maniacs all over the place. We're just fire, firing money into this pointless war in Ukraine that has nothing to do. With it. Send more people to die. This is who you're defending. I just want to make sure make that clear. I said mean mouth sounds at the you know the the billionaires and the and the people running this place and causing literally debt blood all over them. Um, but by all means, attack the guy in the wood pile. You got your priorities straight, guys. Jeremy, it's it's, it's Parkinson's law of politics, like Parkinson's law of mundanity. People are going to focus on the easy fix, and then oh. you know because they can't deal with the complicated one. So you're the I've, easy fix. They can I've shut never, you up a lot. It's, it's I've never look, heard that one before. Look it up. Parkinson's law of mundanity. It's fantastic. All right, Jeremy. Uh, I, so you're looking well under the circumstances. We'll keep in touch. I wanted to give everyone an update that you've tried sure. to find a bank account. You haven't. I, I, I sent an update on the um, Give, Send, Go. If you can't actually open up another bank account, well, you're going to direct this into someone's account that you can trust so you can benefit from the generosity of others. And we're going to keep it going as, as the proverbial middle finger to this tyrannical regime that is the, the Trudeau regime. Yeah, th- thank you very much, man, and, and your audience and all your followers. I appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We'll keep in touch and uh, let me know what's going on. Cheers. All right. Have a good night. Okay. That's one. That's Jeremy. That's Canada's Alex Jones. They start with the unsavory characters that people have found a reason not to like so they can then apply the same injustices to people that, um, you know, the Overton window will shift. It won't always be Jeremy McKenzie. And then you can say, oh, well, he shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have made that tweet. That was a, that was a mean tweet against a politician. Uh, he gets to get debanked. Oh, well, what's that? Uh, he, he donated to the, wrong, to the wrong charity. Well, he gets to get debanked. That's it. That's it. it start, they, start, they start with the unpopular ones uh, so they can then move it for political convenience. Now, I see Alex Jones, but it's a, it's, a white, it's a white square that looks like there might be connection issues. Let me see here. I see Alex Jones window comma, but no video dot dot dot. 
Okay, so while we figure this out, um, let me go to the Rumble chat and just see what's going on there. Okay, Alex Jones, it looks like I see a video coming. Uh, Pierre will put the house in order, says Lotus Land 49. From your mouth to God's ears. Um, China, that says Lou D. Diagonal sounds like a fine idea to me. That's 680 Krikrat. Okay, good. Good. That was, that was the update with Jeremy McKenzie. Now, hold on. I see the window for Alex Jones, but there's no video in it, and Barnes is not there. Give me two seconds, peeps. Are you also potentially having issues logging in, question mark? Um, while they do that, I'll just ramble and rant a little bit more about what's going on in Canada. Justin Trudeau cannot go anywhere in Canada without getting mercilessly heckled. Uh, protesters, whatever you want to call them, he cannot go anywhere without getting mercilessly heckled and jeered. And I say mercilessly heckled means people are lining the streets, jeering the tyrant of Canada. They're not weighing their words. They got their flags, those mean flags. They're the ones that, that Aaron O'Toole was all upset about, the, a flag that said F Trudeau. They've got their flags, and they're letting Justin Trudeau know exactly what they think of him. And the amazing thing is, there is no love. Nobody is out there clapping for Justin Trudeau, thanking him for being there. You got, his, you got more security around him uh, than people who support what that guy's done to this country. Uh, and uh, then you got you know, his sycophants on Twitter. Oh, real Canadians don't, don't mob a, a prime minister. Is it? Real, Canadians, real Canadians protest politely, even if their uh, rude, rude protest consists of mean flags and mean words. Canadians protest peacefully, like they did in Ottawa, and peacefully like they're doing now. But they're letting Justin Trudeau know exactly that he is a loathed, lamentable destroyer of Canada, which is what he is. Oh, and then Justin Trudeau comes out and criticizes the provinces for violating certain fundamental rights of, of, of Canadians and, and frustrating the court's ability to adjudicate on those when he's doing that himself. Then you get Christian Freeland coming to Twitter and saying, it's okay not to be okay. It, if you have mental problems, talk to someone. Just don't call the government because we want to actually come and facilitate euthanasia for the mentally ill. The, these people, they're gaslighters, but, but I believe it's antagonistic gaslighting because it is gaslighting for some and antagonizing for others. Oh, what's that? You're mentally ill and you know that we want to expand euthanasia laws to allow, facilitate medical assistance in dying to the mentally ill, but we tweet out at the same time, it's okay to not be okay. What the hell does that mean? Other than we will support you taking your own life, but it's okay to not feel good. We'll just, we'll help you along in your, in your last days. Having mental issues? Call the government. Just don't call the hotline that's going to want to put you to death. Okay, now I see Robert, and we're going to see if Alex Jones is in. Robert, I'm bringing you in in three, two, one. Yeah, the, uh, do you see the comment? They're asking whether you see Alex. I see uh, a window, but I don't see Alex. I see it looks like a round table from 1984. I'm going to bring it in. This is what I see. Oh, that's an empty chair. Okay. That, that, but that's his chair. Okay, good. So, yes, uh, Alex, if you're watching, and if I do it like this, that's – Oh, you know what I thought I was looking at? I thought that was an actual um, thing from 1984. Okay, Alex, I'm bringing you in. I didn't know if you were ready yet. You ready? Is he ready? Three, two, one. Alex, sir. Guys, I'm a big fan of the show, fan of you both. Congratulations on all your great success. And I, I, I wanted to come on, so thanks for having me. I've been trying to get you guys on, but you're, you guys are too famous to come on my show. 
Oh, well, I'll, Alex, I'll come anytime. And thank you for coming back because I've got about 15,000 questions uh, from things that have transpired since the last time we spoke. Uh, first of all, how, how are you doing in general under the stress of, of, of the life that has become your life? Well, I tell you, I never had that much money. We did have a lot of gross sales, so it was big numbers, but they misrepresented it all. Uh, so quite frankly, I mean, I'm doing great uh, because under Texas law, I've got my house, I've got my car, I've got my wife, I've got my children, uh, and we're being totally vindicated on the poison shots, on the New World Order, on the corruption, on everything. And so if we were losing the fight against the tyrants, and then I was you know, having my life turned upside down, I, I would probably be bummed out. But quite frankly, I'm the happiest I've ever been in 28 years on air, quite frankly. And that's what I wanted to say when I came on, why I asked to come on your show, because I can't get you on my show. You guys are too busy. So I I, was, I want both of you guys to come on to a big roundtable discussion on a routine basis with me. I'm a big fan. But I wanted to just come on and say congratulations to both of you for early on, two and a half, three years ago, saying this is all a fraud. And now it's easy to be in that club. Everybody's Johnny come lately, and, and, and that's fine. People that are trailblazers can't get mad. People that are mavericks can't get mad when everybody else joins their cause. It's, just, it's what Mark Twain famously said, that in the beginning, a patriot's a very scarce man, hated and feared and scorned. But in time, when his cause succeeds, the timid join him because then it costs nothing to be a patriot. Uh, and so out of this ocean of people now speaking out against the shots and the New World Order and all the tyranny, uh, you guys did it very early on when there was a big price to pay. So I just count you guys as friends, and I really appreciate you being one of the few shows uh, that that has told the truth. And it takes research to tell the truth. It takes research to look into things. I'm, I've never said I was perfect, but I've been up against PR firms, intelligence agencies. You know, I told Barnes three years ago, and I've known him longer than that, but I said, these are intelligence agencies running this, and he agreed, and, and now we know from the Twitter files uh, it is. But if giant intelligence agencies spend their time trying to shut us down, it shows that they're not as powerful as they think. It's not that we are so powerful. It's that they're so weak and everything they're doing is so incredibly unpopular. So I just wanted to come on and just kind of set a mark here in time, kind of like a road sign that this way leads victory. And you guys have been right there at the tip of the spear. The Alex, the uh, in terms of, you know, before there was ever a Stephen Crowder Daily Wire debate or anything else, uh, you are kind of the tip of the spear for being an independent voice going up against sort of corporate uh, conservative media dominance. Uh, and going all the way back to, you know, right after 9-11, you decide to, you, you had been raising the alarms long before 9-11 of what could happen at 9-11, gave very specific warnings, friends with the people at the X-Files that produced the Lone Gunman show that talked about all of that. But you were put into a position where you were forced to choose between being your authentic self and uh, losing all the deals, you know, being kicked, you know, no longer on talk radio, no longer having at that time in the way it was established, not having the advertisers, massive amount of pressure brought on you to just, hey, just shut up on 9-11. You can be the next Rush Limbaugh. You can have the big fat contracts. You can have the easy life. You never have to deal with lawfare. Can you take people back to that, what your mindset was and what your advice would be to someone like Steven Crowder, why they should stand up, continue for their independent, authentic self, despite the massive pressure campaign that's going to come in against them? Well, that's right. I mean, just take Crowder, who's a really authentic, real guy. And, and I'm not mad at the Daily Wire. They've got a lot of good shows as well. But they're definitely working with big tech. And they have a classic golden handcuffs approach like famous record companies have over people where they're going to be the enforcers of big tech 
And then big tech is the arbiter of whether or not you get your contract. And then with all his employees and all his bandwidth and all his legal costs, uh, $10 million over five years is, is, is nothing, folks, or, or $10 million a year, $50 million over five years. And so that giant controversy is a window into how things really run. So I was blessed in that I came up from the very, very bottom. I was, uh, it's an interesting story. I don't know how much time we have, but I can tell it. I was going to college and it was just really boring. And, and I was taking RTF and it was, they were like teaching 30 year old technology. It wasn't even, the internet wasn't even being discussed. Then I was watching Access TV. A Access TV started here in Austin, Texas over 40 years ago. And I, and I thought, well, I could go do that. And so I went to Access TV within a year. It showed up in the ratings locally. So I was given a local radio show during the weekend. Then they got top ratings. So I was given a weeknight show. It got top ratings. So within two years of being on air, starting in late 94, 95, 96, I had a number one local radio show. And then about three years at, into that, about a year later, uh, three years after starting, I had a syndicated show on a small network. And I went around and looked around about what are the small networks? How do you syndicate a show? I, I called them. I, I built a studio at my house. I, you know, I did all that stuff. But I came up with a really a lust for, for being independent and being able to say whatever I wanted to. So then by the year 2000, I was on close to 200 radio stations, about 170 radio stations or so. And the attacks happened. I was watching local news national news. They said there's bombs in the building. It's blowing up. The government's blown up building seven. I mean, I saw him say it. It, it was years later. The archives actually came out. Nowadays, it's all instant. Everything's grabbed. But back then, it took about three years for BBC and CBS and NPR and CNN. When I'm saying, hey, I, I saw him on, M, M, on, on PBS. I saw him on CBS say they blew up building seven, 47-story building, CIA headquarters that day to protect other buildings. I said, I don't know what happened, but they said they blew it up. And so I said that for like three years. When they finally put the archives online, people were like, whoa, here's all the videos. For anybody that wants to see that, just go search engine, Building 7, government blew it up. And it's, it's newscast saying they blew it up. So the official story's not true. I don't know exactly what happened. I just know it wasn't true. So uh, Ted Anderson, I'm still on the GCN radio network. Uh, about half our radio affiliates are, are with him. I also have my own syndication. But about 150 stations are with him right now. And he came to me and he said, listen, about a weekend, he said, you're on 170 radio stations and uh, you're a young guy. And I know you're probably making a lot of money. I was already making a couple million dollars a year gross that I was spending on crew I was building. He said, but you're, you've got a calls from about 100 radio stations. They're going to turn you off the next week if you don't stop this. And I said, I can't stop. And Ted Anderson said, well, it's the First Amendment. You go ahead and do that. Even though it was the hottest show he had, I was the up-and-comer for Rush Limbaugh, all that. And then a couple years later, I got calls from Clear Channel and Roger Ailes and Premier Radio Networks, and I met with some of those guys. And they said, listen, you'll get books every year. Everything will be handled, but we'll tell you what to say. We'll have editorial control, but you will be the next Rush Limbaugh. They were grooming me, trying to groom me, and even offer me shows on Fox to be what Glenn Beck was also in that stable. And, of course, I'm not delusional. It, they, they had Glenn Beck and a few others in that stable. But, but the point is... I said, no, I can't do this. So I went from close to 200 radio stations to about 35 radio stations in just a couple months. And I went from bringing in, when I'm like 26, 27, 28 years old, bringing in millions of dollars a year in advertising and to almost zero. But to me, I started on Access TV, so it was easy. 
And so that's why going through, before that I was fired off radio for criticizing George Bush and Bill Clinton when I had the number one show in Austin, but I'd already started a syndicated show, so it was okay. That happened in 99, and that's the newspaper, somebody wants to read it. So I was kind of naturally prepared for all this because I lost my number one syndicated show in Austin, or, or local show that was in the newspaper as readers poll number one and top ratings and celebrated and uh, you know, a FM station that went from Dallas to San Antonio, huge flamethrower radio station, 98.9, that's NPR now. I went from that flamethrower to my bedroom, but I was still on dozens of affiliates when I got kicked off in 99. By 2001, I'm on 170 plus affiliates. And so for me, it, it, I, I don't want to say I'm like autistic, but when it comes to saying what I want to say, a gun can be in my head and I just can't stop saying it. And so it was easy to be kicked off that station when I was number one to tell the truth. And it was easy to lose 150 affiliates or 140 affiliates overnight. And so that kind of prepared me for the deplatforming in the future where my, in my own autistic way, even though I'm wrong sometimes, what my brain thinks is right, which is right more than most people, I can't shut up. It's kind of like Ezekiel in the Bible. They're, they say to the prophet, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but it's, it's an allegory. We're going to kill you if you keep preaching this gospel. And he says, kill me. I can't stop. It's burning. It's burning. And I think with you guys, I see that too. I mean, Barnes, or are you... Uh, you know, Mr. Fry, all you guys, I can tell watching you, you couldn't get up and lie to people because it's your integrity. It's who you are. And, and it's not like some special magic power. That's how people are supposed to be. And so for me, that's where I'm at is that they keep saying, sell out, back down, go away. I'm autistic. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, literally, I cannot shut up and I cannot try to tell my truth. Now, I see through a rose colored darkly, I make mistakes. But it, it, it's that authenticity people see. And what I love, and I'll shut up because I want to come and talk to you guys. What I love about this whole saga is that most patriots and most freedom lovers die before they win their revolution. We are getting to live to see the beginning of a victory. We're, we're winning most of the battles now. The war has still not been won. I don't want to declare victory early. But we're getting to see hardcore tangible victory on every front and vindication, not 20 years later when we're old men about to die while we're still at the peak of performance. So let me just say, I'm doing great. I'm as happy as a pig and you know what? I wouldn't have it any other way. I wish I hadn't made some of the mistakes I made. I've learned a lot, but those mistakes made me who I am. If it wasn't for those mistakes, I wouldn't be who I am. So I get to know you guys. I get to know of every race, color, and creed, the very best men and women that really love freedom. And so this journey is incredible. And so they've not broken my spirit. Far from it. Uh, I am just absolutely energized and empowered right now. Alex, I got well. I got a number of questions to ask you in that, but I got to first start by saying Barnes is you know the person who put me somewhat ahead of the curve in all of this. A, a little, I was a little later to the game in some stuff, but you know when the pandemic first started happening, and Robert's like, nothing of this response makes any sense because if they're saying kids are the vectors. Um, of transmission, locking everything down, bringing the kids home so that they have to stay with the grandparents who are most at risk while the parents continue to work. You're exacerbating the problem. None of this makes sense. And Barnes was making sense. But Alex, just actually, just to go back a few decades now, when when did you start getting pressure to shut up about 9-11 uh, within, the, within the context of 9-11? So 9-11 happens. How long until you start saying, the official narrative doesn't make all that much sense, or I have some serious questions about it. The day of, I remember hearing recordings saying, pull, pull this building. 
But how long until people say, stop talking about it because we don't want you talking about it? Is it a year, two years, three years, or is it months? That's a great question. Even before 9-11, about a two years before, it's already had the number one show in Austin just by grace of God getting on air and people resonated with it. I got approached by a mid-level syndicator that owned hundreds of radio stations. And back then, talk radio was king. And they said, do you want to be on this crusade that's going nowhere, or do you want to be a star? And the guy had me to his house, super hot wife. I'm, uh, and, and, and this is like 1998. And he, he, he said, just sign this contract with us and do this. And he said, you want to have sex with my wife? You can have it right now. And, and, and I'm not trying to tell a crazy story. That actually happened. And, and, and of course, I, I said no, and I left. But that happened another time later. So these, these executives will literally, they'll have like their former prostitute wife, and I'm going to put this woman down, but this is all like an intelligence operation. It's like you watch a James Bond movie, the girl's always trying to get him in bed. That happened, and I kind of early on saw what this was and saw what was happening. So in 98, I got offered a couple jobs and millions of dollars then. And, and again, these are private meetings. So if I, if, unless there's criminal activity, if I have a meeting with somebody, I'm not, I'm, and it's an off-record meeting, I'm never going to talk about what happened. But uh, Rothkop, the head of the Kissinger Group, in front of John Harmon, who's been there 18 years, our oldest uh, crew member, he was there when Rothkop wanted to come on the show and then was telling me off-air, and, and John Harmon saw it all happen, look, Henry Kissinger wants to meet with you. Nobody turns down this deal. You're going to be the conservative leader. You'll be the new Rush Limbaugh. We're looking for him. You're it. We've seen your TBQ scores. We want to give you the job. Uh, that was um, when he, he made the, the he wrote the books uh, super class. So that was when that book was out 15 years ago. And so it, it wasn't that I'm that important. They're buying and selling souls all day. So I had that happen. Then I had Fox News reach out through some big host, uh, and then through Roger Ailes, and they said we're going to give you a Saturday show. You could fly in every Friday night, do your show, fly out Sunday. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna control what you say. We're gonna and once you do this for good for a year, we're gonna give you a main slot on Fox, and you'll be the next Rush Limbaugh. And it was the same thing. I flew up there to be with those people, and you're at the bar with the people, and there's a super hot chick, and they go, "Hey, she's here for you." And I could pick up it was an intelligence operation, uh, and I went and gave 9/11 speeches in New York as well. And they'd have like Russians there with hot chicks. Hey, she's here for you. Putin likes you. So I mean, this is like this isn't that I'm that special. When you're at this level, it's par for the course spies, par for the course agents. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not just here to go run have sex with a woman in a, in a hotel room because they're there. So this is all very cloak and dagger. And they had seen the numbers on radio stations across the country. They knew, for whatever reason, we got top ratings. So they go, okay, that's a winning horse. Get him now. And so I had multiple big Republican groups try to hire me. Roger Ailes tried to hire me. Uh, that other syndication group tried to hire me. And it was always the same speech. Like, like who writes this for them? Are they like NPCs? Because some of the same speeches I got from Fox were like, you want to be this big, you know, wild man, or do you want to be the star? Because your little crusade's going nowhere. We love you. We'll take care of you. But we're, but you're gonna do what we say, and 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 so that's what you know. By, I mean, by the time, I mean, I mean, I'll tell you the stories. And this happened. We this is on record. But I mean, YouTube would call us and say, we don't want you throwing darts in the dark. We want to make you tens of millions a year. We want you to stop doing these things. And I said, okay, what is the thing you want? This is like. This is like seven, eight years ago. They said, don't criticize radical Islam. Don't criticize transgenderism. 
and just get off your whole anti-Federal Reserve kick. Well, what's what's left after all that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, what's left? So, so that happened, and then before they deplatformed us off Facebook five years ago, and it's not just me. In fact, we ought to do shows on this. We, you know, we're, we're the opposite of kind of drama queens. But I had some of the crew here in conversations. Like Facebook would call us and say, you know, we don't want to take you down. Just don't talk about transgenderism. And that really, about five years ago, became the thing, the line you don't cross. And so at that point, I'm like, listen. I ain't for sale. If I'm going to start robbing banks, I'm going to be the mafia boss. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to do that. I'm saying, let me explain. I'm going to be a criminal. I'm in charge. No, I'm going to try to be a good person. But it, it's this creepiness. It's this these men. And I don't want to talk about the patriarchy. That's a leftist thing. But it is always men. And it, it's always weird, creepy men want to own you like a baseball card. And so at the end of the day, if they can inspire me to follow them, if they could inspire me to believe in them, I would follow them. But I'm not going to like creepily sign on when they're like, sign here. We own you now. And and then and I, and I think that's where Steven Crowder was coming from was he didn't want more than $10 million a year for his whole operation. He said, listen, what about the other people? You're signing up for nothing and you own them. What is this? And everybody goes, well, that's just how business is done. Well, you know, 170 years ago, black people were still slaves and sold on auction blocks. So just because that's the way business is done, and just because conservative ink plugs into that whole thing and then mimics it, that's how they control things. And then that's how Fox works. Fox has hundreds and hundreds, I'm told it's close to a thousand. People pay between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars a year. And they are contributors, but Fox says what shows they can go on, they sign non-disclosures. And then they control the conservative narrative by telling them what's an acceptable talking point and what shows they can go on. And I've talked to for former and current top Fox people. That's what goes on. So beyond the contract, beyond, oh, Crowder recorded somebody. Give me a break. Beyond all that, this is the methodology of their control. And so, yes, I wasn't consciously knowing that, that, that I was the guy that dodged the first levels of the game. But now in hindsight, I see it all. And I'm like, whoa, I, I like literally because of God navigated this and a great audience that was supporting me. Because if it wasn't the money, I'd be going, I'm not going to sell a newsletter or a coffee mug or a t-shirt like other talk show hosts. I'm going to sell films. I'm going to go with a camera. And, sh and that was where the money came from. It was the films that despite the fact I got deplatformed, had $2 million in advertising taken away in 2001, my films I've been making for four or five years were finally hitting big. And it's like one door closes, okay, $2 million advertising gone, suddenly $4 million in film sales. And so it, it just, it's been, so it, I don't want to say it's a faith thing, but it's just crazy. Like I get thrown off a surfboard, I paddle, I try to catch a wave, I don't, I catch the next wave, and, and it's just it just gets better and better. And then again, like I said, the great part is knowing people like you. And, and here's another thing. I don't say this to say, oh, I'm so famous. I'm so powerful. I'm so, no, it's the opposite. I'm actually scared how successful we've been. I, I I would get nothing but love until Trump ran for office and got elected. But it, I'd walk down the street and every 30th person would know who I was and shake my hand at the mall, the grocery store. It's kind of like, okay, go to the grocery store, shake one or two hands. No hate. Trump gets elected, go to the grocery store, shake 20 hands, five, 10 people hate you. So going to the grocery store is like a war game. It's like mm -hmm. you got to get your... You got to get geared up. You got to go in there. Now, 
I go to the grocery store. I go to get my hair cut. I go to the mall. I go to church at some random church with family. Mobbed. Nothing. I mean, I shake 200 hands before somebody walks up and says, you're a Russian agent. I want you to die. And it still happens. I walked in a haircutting place because uh, I went to random places like three days ago. And I sit there and I'm waiting. And the guy goes, sorry, the lady that's here for you is sick. And she's just sitting there shaking her head. I get in my car, drive a mile away on South Lamar, walk in. There's four people in there, all women, uh, a gay manager dude at the counter. All of them are listeners. They go, oh, here, have a beer. And it's not even a beer place. And I'm like hanging out with them, talking to them for an hour about the New World Order. And they used to be big leftists and they still care about freedom, but they know the left's control. They're not right-wing either. And, and so I can report to people is the average person is not famous, which is a great thing. Anonymity is so valuable. And I, and I, and, 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 but, but I'm telling you, I'm known. And so I'm a gauge out there on how hot the engine is. And the engine's at 9,000 RPMs redline, folks. I go out, dinner bought everywhere, love, 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 love from the people, which shows me the system has failed. I go to the most liberal areas in downtown Austin, no problems now. I mean, 500 people go by before one person says something bad. And, 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 and it's not just like I'm shaking every 30th hand like six, seven, eight, nine years ago. Oh, that's a niche guy. Some people know him. No, no, it's shake hands, shake hands, car stopping, mobs of people, nothing but love. So it's not about Alex Jones. It's that they see me as an image or an archetype that's anti-system. So it's not that I'm that good. I'm, I'm nothing, folks. But the system is so hated that they said, I am the black sheep Satan. I am anathema. I am the devil incarnate, and people aren't buying it. So that, to me, is the most important message to folks, that despite hundreds of thousands of articles, tens of thousands of TV programs, massive deep state attacks to destroy the populist, more propaganda they had in the Iraq invasion, look it up, it wasn't to kill me, it was to kill the populace and the public at an instinctive level resonated and knew that that wasn't the case and went against it. So you see Bill Gates' videos. They'll have 10 million views and hundreds of thousands of people are against Gates. You got to read for an hour to find one pro Bill Gates comment. And it's the same thing across the board. So don't just believe me, folks. Another place to see where a well-known person, how popular they are is, go to YouTube or Instagram or Twitter and look at it where Bill Gates is more unpopular than death itself. It, it, it's, it's a, sorry, Robert, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to, uh, the, uh, one of the other things I was going to, people often ask, how does Alex learn what he does? And it was, how is he prescient? You know? And I was like, uh, you know, it, it's not that he's taken a special drug and he's connected to Nostradamus. It's that he's been reading and reading and reading and reading from the time he was very young. Like the part of Alex Jones that I think is most underappreciated or, or not as well understood out there is how extraordinarily well-read you are. Uh, I mean, it's not just the hundreds of articles you have every day on the desk. It's the books you've read. It's the text you've read. It's the white papers you've read. I remember I came across like a random old documentary video about them staging a coup like in the late 60s. And I started referencing, I had just found it and you could quote from it. Uh, could you tell people like, how is it like if people were trying to emulate the methodology that you've used for sourcing information, could you describe to people what you do to to get to the information you're getting to and so that they themselves can try to do that on their own scale where and when they can? Well, that's a great question. It's a three-hour movie, but everyone should watch the real masterpiece, uh, Oliver Stone's JFK. And all in hindsight, declassified, it's like 99% accurate. It's stunning. It's It's the same thing. When I, Because he was in Vietnam when that was happening. He saw Kennedy killed. His brain was fresh. 
as we get older, we get more knowledge, we get more wisdom, we know how to parse information. That's why they try to arrest our development when we're young. But when I was young, I would stay up almost every night, even though I went out partying, I played sports. I wasn't just a bookworm, I was a bookworm jock. I would read three or four books a week. And I learned history is more interesting than fiction. There's more action and it really happened. So I got addicted to history and probably read over the years 500, it's ridiculous, probably a thousand books actually. It was, it was, it was ridiculous how much I read. And until about five, six years ago, I got so burnt out. I probably only read like 10 books since then or I've scanned through them because you, you kind of get to a point where your brain's like full and you can't do it anymore. And I've kind of hit that point, but I do read, scan over hundreds of articles a day, watch hundreds of clips like everybody else does. But before the whole ADHD internet came, I got into deep research of all the main you know books about the different empire systems. Then I read a lot of books about deep state. And really, once you know their playbook, it seems fancy. They follow the same methodology over and over again. So it's not that I'm predicting stuff. Everybody is like a dog to their own vomit. Everybody, as you get older, kind of follows the same routine. It's 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 who who we are. It's a curse. Hold on, well, sorry, the, Alex. What does that expression mean? Like a dog throws up and then eats it? Yes. Okay. So this. Okay. Fine. Uh, sorry, it's a good visual. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to make sure I understood that. No, sorry. No, no, I'll please go on. Have you guys ask questions? What I'm saying is. I got my base of information from deep research. And then once I had that template, I'm surprised that I ever throw curveballs. Like I'm always thinking, when do they deviate from the pattern? So as we all get older, we follow patterns more and more. But criminals follow patterns, as criminologists know. You guys are lawyers, you know this more than anybody. Like the more criminal the brain, the more OCD, the more pattern it is. So they only run like 10 plays. So my job's easy. I like to sit back and go, okay, what's in the media? What are they pre-programming to get us ready for? Okay, it looks like it's going to probably be this. Oh, it's that again. And I always sit back and go, okay, they could sucker punch us someday. It may not, but they just keep doing it. And if something isn't broke, don't fix it. So people ask how I know this. Folks, Bill Gates runs around saying a pandemic's coming. We're going to take your rights. Fauci's on countless C-SPAN shows saying there'll be a new virus out of China. We're going to take your rights away and give you mRNA years before they did it. They love it. it, it I'm actually not that smart. My frustration is that I learned who actually runs things by reading their books and literature and seeing that it was actually true when I was young. So I was reading stuff they wrote in the 70s, Zbigniew Brzezinski, he said, by the 90s, you'll be doing this. And it was almost exactly that. I said, this son of a bitch is in charge. And then that stuff they wrote in the 90s is happening now. And I'm like, whoa, we got to warn people. So, I mean, quite frankly, I'm not that smart. I'm actually blown away that they have been this obvious and we haven't stopped them yet. Uh, and this is going to circle back. I, you know, I don't want to spend any more time than necessary on the on the specifics of the fight between Daily Crowder and uh, Daily Wire and Stephen Crowder. But it, it, just to analogize this, because now people out there say I, I Barnes has put forward a compelling argument as relates to the controlled opposition aspect of the Daily Wire. And now I understand exactly where Barnes is coming from in all of this, because now relaying this back to you, where you say back in the day when I was a free thinker and a free speaker and they were trying to say, shut up. And the way they were trying to get me to shut up was not through uh, coercion, but rather through inducements. Hey, hey, come work with us, giving you the, you know, the whole, the, the, the standard shtick that they give everybody. You're great. We love you. Uh, you. You're the only one that we need right now, but you can't do it on your own. So like they build you up and then they let you know that, that you're weak. And then they try to actually lure you with, with outright temptation. And the idea then, from what it sounds like you said, you got the impression that there were intelligence elements in there. And I'm saying this like, it sounds crazy when I say it, 
But then you know of things that, like Operation Mockingbird, which probably never change regardless. So you have intelligence in there who are trying to find a way to stifle or own what they view to be the risk to, the, to their control over the narrative. And so they come to you, flattery, a little bit of intimidation that you can't do it on your own, and a little bit of sex you know, to get into the pants. And now I understand where Barnes sees that same play, mutatis mutandis, with the Daily Wire. D- did you get the impression? Do you know, like, were there actually CIA elements in Fox News back then? Because we know which announcers at Fox and CNN have CIA ties now. Like, were, were those elements always at play? Well, I mean, it's all come out now that the Justice Department, the FBI, Defense Intelligence, CIA, Naval Intelligence that took down Nixon are in there. When I say intelligence agencies, those are kind of the cutouts and where they get the young recruits. But 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 what's above that is the State Department, is the PR firms, is the law firms. And so it's it, people always kind of in the culture and the media because of James Bond movies think the intelligence agencies and the Green Berets are on top. No, they're on bottom. It's think tanks that create policy, and then it's law firms and PR groups and the controlled judiciary and the media that, that put out the propaganda and the control, and then it's the Justice Department that does the enforcement. So to me, it was just super obvious I'm being compromised. And I, I mean, I did have family. And it's not like saying, oh, I had family that went to the moon. It's like, no. The way my, my mom's brother, who's the best guy I ever knew, died seven years ago, described it. He said, listen, in the CIA, the CIA is like Walmart, Alex. It's like Coca-Cola. It's everywhere. It's just a big holding company of private corporate interests. That's nothing. That's not who runs things. He explained it all to me because he'd been high level, you know, Vietnam, all of it. Uh, I mean, he was involved with really bad stuff in Vietnam, did it before he became a Christian. Then he was involved in Iran-Contra. and They were smuggling kids out of Guatemala from re- refugee centers, and that was when he got out of it. And then I had other family that was involved in it as well. And they were like, GD, this government, it's been hijacked, New World Order, blah, blah. I'm sitting there like eight years old hearing this every time there was a Thanksgiving dinner. So to me, it wasn't like some secret thing. It was like, that's what the crazy adults talk about. And so I was lucky to have all that intel that by the time they actually came, I mean, the Russians are ridiculous. I went and gave two 9-11 speeches like in 2005, 2006. Tens of thousands came. One at a big university, other one. And it was literally like, Putin like you. You like girls? You want to be beautiful women, blondes every time. And I'm like, no, you want money. Go to Miami. We give you money. And, and I could tell they were real Russian spies because with the Russians, it's like, you want the money? You want the girl. But it was the same thing. It, it, it's not that the... It's not that the... Fox News people or even the big syndicated radio guys were spies. The spies are like junior high people to, you know, executives, which they are. That's like the the fishery level, the hatchery down there. The real thing is media and the PR guys and the law firms, and they're the ones that run it all. So they would they would laugh and say intelligence agency. They're they're like, oh yeah, intelligence agency. You mean the Green Berets we have go kill people that we kill later? You mean the guys we pay nothing? No, we're paid billions of dollars. The Green Berets are paid nothing. And, and so what I'm telling you is James Bond is the lowest level. The PR firms. And the law firms are beneath the think tanks that create the policy. That's that's the the big ultra rich controllers using central banks for control with 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 think tanks and then PR firms and the law firms that everything else is under. And speaking of like how a lot of that works, like in terms of how media and technology, you were mentioning recently how it's dramatically shrunk our attention spans of the average American. The younger you go, 
the worse the attention span gets. And I was recently up in Amish country, uh, Amos Miller, for those people who want great food and great milk, AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com, support him, screw the feds. But the uh, but I was, I was there with all you know, great people, all the rest. His kids, he said, yeah, I was talking to him. He's like, well, you know, I was like, what's the, uh, the, the oddest thing people comment on when they come and visit that are not Amish? And he said, they're always stunned that the kids sit there for two and a half hours and three hours for a sermon or a dinner or school without any problems, no attitudes, no, you know, et cetera. And I was like, wow. And then it was when you said, I think about, about a week ago or so, you were talking about the shrinking attention span, how that's worsening the intellectual capacity of the ordinary person to sort of process information, absorb information, act on information. And then it put in like another plug to me. I was like, why is this system waging war on the Amish? They're the nice, sweet people. Why are they trying to bankrupt them, take their farms, take, you know, put judgments on them, make their lives miserable, make them feel guilty for what their own lifestyle is? And then, and then I realized the way what you said put it together for me. Uh, the reason why those kids can sit there for two and a half hours, sit there for two hours of dinner without a problem, is because they have not been inundated with modern technology. They have not been inundated with modern media. Um, can you comment on, on how the, the system works at so many levels, what they're putting in our food supply, what they're putting in our medicines, how even they use technology and media to basically corrupt our bodies to ultimately try to control our souls? Absolutely. And again, I didn't think of any of this. I'm not the smart guy everybody says I am. If you go back to the 60s and 70s and stuff that came out in the church committees and things, the CIA and, and, and big media at the time, and of course, you know, and I've seen all these videos of top globalists on TV saying, we're going to demonize the family on television shows. Uh, Paul Ehrlich, 1970, look it up. Paul Ehrlich, media is going to demonize families. We're going to end the, 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 the family. And he said, because that's a group we don't control. And they said the most intelligent people, even people that have high IQs or, 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 or have innate intelligence genetically or environmentally, if we can shatter their attention span where they can't put things together, then they'll never be able to stand against us. So just imagine if you watched a movie and you couldn't congruently fit it together in your head. Well, the average young person, you know, on TikTok or whatever they, they show statistically is like that. So an attention span doesn't mean you don't break things up. It means that you've pulled back and that you're analyzing the whole picture, not just letting each new flashing thing, each new quick story happen. So you look at old movies, old radio shows, novels, you read a book number show, your brain waves go way up. Connectivity happens in the brain because you're having to image everything they're saying, everything they're describing. Whereas the visual, if it's simply visual, you don't have to image it. And it, it basically makes your brain more, more and more one dimensional or only two dimensional. And so the whole system is built around lowering the average attention span to that lower than a goldfish. I think a goldfish is like 16, 17 seconds. The average American now is about 13 seconds where their brain's jumping from thing to thing instead of you're sitting there in church. Sure, it might be busy or sure, it might be boring, but you just kind of sit back and listen to what's being said and, and, and almost meditate on it and your brain waves go to another level. And that's a simple way of saying it, but everything is about hitting you with so much information that you're not really giving up. You're just, your brain is so entertained with dopamine and new things like whack-a-mole that you can't ever follow through on a longer process thought. And that destroys uh, neurons, the, uh, connectivity. You can type in television viewing, uh, intense television viewing tied to 
uh, IQ reduction, uh, Alzheimer's, cognitive decline, neurological disorders. There's thousands of studies. Well, they specifically know that people that can't focus for long periods of time and actually get into something to almost a Zen level where you kind of just Zen out and you're there, people think you're watching TV and you kind of just blur out. No, you're being hit, 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 and your brain just turns off. But when you're actually listening to Mozart or Beethoven or reading a deep novel for three hours and you lose yourself, it's because your brain is imaging all that. That's creating new neurons. You have this deep sense of satisfaction when you're done doing it, like a hike up a mountain. Why is it? Because it's intense. There's no distractions. It's real. Whereas if you're playing hopscotch, you're just jumping on numbers and it kind of isolates you into little bitty pieces. And I'm trying to quantify that, but we need big linear long events empower us, sagas, quests, uh, odysseys, instead of lots of broken up crap, which the whole system's geared towards. If you read the Facebook documents that came out when the whistleblowers went public six years ago, they said, this is weaponized, this hurts people, we're ashamed we did it. It's destroying their minds where they can't think. And it's because it's all chopped in. And I, I just, I look, I'm the worst. I can sit there when my wife goes to bed at 10 o'clock at night, drooling on my phone, reading Twitter or reading Facebook. And just, uh, 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 but it's not fulfilling. And after it, I feel dumb. Whereas if I go read a novel or I hike up a hill uh, or I have marathon sex with my wife, whatever it is, it's real and human, and it empowers me, and those are the things we need to do. We need to do the things that we know innately in our programming empower us versus the short attention span. And now our young people are even worse than we are. They are atomized. They are controlled. So it's, 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 it's a, real, a real challenge and a conundrum. Alex, I, I, I know you've probably said it before, and I don't know if it's something that can be summarized into a short answer. What is your bottom line takeaway from 9-11 as, as opposed to the official narrative? Al-Qaeda worked for the CIA. Their low-level people didn't. They had decoys that were being protected by Israeli and U.S. intelligence that got on the planes, their bags, their Passports were found, multiple ones in the wreckage of hundreds of millions of pieces, billions of pieces of literature and stuff. It's all made up. Uh, they blew up building one and two. They blew up seven and said they did. And it was a criminal deep state uh, that carried that out to move the war on terror or the military industrial complex apparatus from Russia and the end of the Cold War onto the Muslims. And then once we were trained to give up our rights to the Patriot Act on the Muslims, then they would move that on to the people at large and say that anybody that questions lockdowns or open borders or elections is a terrorist. And then even the final or the next phase, phase four, first it's the Russians, it was a real issue, but use that, take rights. Then it's the Muslims, sure there's some real radical Muslims, but use that, take rights. Then it's, oh, it's the you know right-wingers and extremists, they're the main threat right before COVID. And then now it's official that they're saying we're the main threat. Uh, and now it's in our bodies. It's an invisible thing. We've all got to be surveilled. We've got to be injected. We're all terrorists harboring this virus. And so that's the final evolution of that continuum into we're all terrorists and the state is Jesus, the state is God, the sacrament is the mRNA, the sacrament is the PCR test, the sacrament is the social credit score and the universal ID, and the universal... Uh, income and all of it, and, and 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 that's their church, and that's their system. The uh, you were the first person throughout the pandemic to alert me to uh, Bill Gates's role and in involvement in Event You Know Two Hundred One, 
Uh, I hadn't heard of that until you. Uh, you were the first one to say, no doubt. It's I remember we were discussing it back in March of 2020 that this was a lab leak. Uh, this was a bioweapon gone AWOL. You've been talking about it with some of the leading people, including the law professor at the University of Illinois. You'll never see on Fox. You'll never see at the Daily Wire. You'll never see at these institutional media places. But here is the leading law professor that's been dealing with bioweapon research for the last three decades. And it's part of the broader pattern and uh, mindset going back to Operation Northwoods, going back broader, the Reichstag fire, going back throughout the history that you've studied and surveyed and discussed uh, and talked about. And when we saw it this past week at Davos, uh, the, the, the World Economic Forum, any illusion that the agenda isn't di- control, control through digital currencies, control through digital IDs, control through vaccine passports, control. I mean, Viva got to physically experience the insanity and inanity of those vaccine passports in uh, in, in uh, Kanukistan up there in Canada. The uh, uh, But we see what happens when Trudeau goes out in public amongst ordinary people. They're chasing him down the street and they would have uh, tarred and feathered him if they could. Uh, so we see what people really think behind the screen. The uh, uh, but talk to people about the uh, the idea that the government would and our governments and and the globalists wouldn't be so cynical enough to unleash deliberately a pandemic uh, and then uh, uh, put out a vaccine they would know wouldn't work and yet still use that pretext of the pandemic to seize power because down deep these people believe uh, in control more than anything else. Well, you just said it. I mean, historically, normal people just want a wife and family and her husband and just live and produce things and have art and be happy. And we're happy to go play soccer. or We're happy to go for a hike. And we want to go eat dinner and have a glass of wine because we already we have good families. We come from, I mean, I'll be honest, decent people. We're repeating that that happened. The problem is good people start thinking there aren't people that want power and control. And so if you look at Hitler or the communist or any of it, it's called a will to power. And they go, well, these buttons are here. I'm not really powerful if I don't play God and punch them. And so that's what this is. And, and the whole deep state, big pharma combine said, we're going to use viruses for control. And we're going to take over the world. And we're going to take over your bodies. And they were so cynical, they could have given us stuff that actually was somewhat positive. It still has side effects. There's no mRNA that doesn't kill at least a percentage of people that take it, but they've, they've got really powerful stuff. But instead, they rolled something out bad up front to get the doctors and lawyers and media to go along with it once they'd done it, because then they've compromised them. And they thought enough people couldn't believe this happened. It's too horrible. We'll get away with it and release it to the president. Instead, enough people in the medical system, in the legal system, in the governmental system, in academia said no. Uh, and so now we're at a very magical point where it's backfiring, but this philosophy of corrupting people and getting them to commit crimes, you know, low-level gangs do it, all these organized crime syndicates do it, uh, the Nazis would make, you know, you go commit crimes before you became a made man, the mafia does it, La Cosa Nostra, they all do it. They make the SS, you know, raise a German shepherd for a year and then strangle it when they were ordered to. And, and that's about, will you really do what we tell you when it comes down to you? And, that, and that's what the pedophilia and all of it's about. So they thought... This would be so horrific, the heart attacks and kids and the death, that we would Stockholm Syndrome out and go, it must be fine, keep taking it. And there's a group of people, a large minority, that are going along with the lies. There's the vast majority saying, I don't trust this, I'm pulling back. And there's a huge minority that gets exactly what it is. And we've got to like burn it into our brains, evil exists, 
It's happening again. They enjoy this and just roll our sleeves up and say, look, I don't care how this ends, but I'm not going, I'm not backing down. I'm not going along with you and I'm betting on humanity and we're going to get your ass. And it's, I'm not a vindictive person. I'm not calling for violence. We don't need any violence offensively. We need to take our governments back, our states, our counties, our cities, our provinces. And I'm just, it has to be done. Once all the documents come out that are coming, they lied about gain of function. They lied. They had it ready. They had the viruses ready. They had the vaccine ready. We have to bring these people to justice. And when you release bioweapons, I mean, even Dr. Francis Boyle, you mentioned, one PhD a year is given at Harvard. Kissinger was one of them. Zbigniew Brzezinski was one of them. He was top of his class, Francis Boyle. He got the read in. He was a dissident that manipulated the whole time without ever lying, but just never even talked. They just figured, you want the power, you're here. He was given that special PhD, read it on the world government, read it on the New World Order, read it on the depopulation. You got to get him on. And he then left and fought them. And he thought the UN was good. He became a head UN war crimes prosecutor and saw him as prosecutor and wrote the U.S. law on bioweapons and chemical weapons. And he just came on my show in early February three years ago, and just everything he said was true because obviously he wasn't just speculating. He has all the classified connections. He was just saying, here's my opinion, but it was dead on because he knows their methodology of, quote, creative destruction. And if they don't act like God and social Darwinism, well, used to. If you had five kids, three died. Let's kill a bunch of people. We're helping people out. If you're not really an elitist, if you can't crack a few eggs and make an omelet, and so we've got Dr. Michael Yeadon was on my show yesterday for an hour. I mean, that's the former chief scientist at Pfizer, the head of their respiratory, the head of their virus. And like just saying, it's depopulation. I, I, I used to be an atheist. I didn't believe in God, but these people are evil. It doesn't even help them to depopulate. Like Elon Musk said, we need 2.1 children for every person. It doesn't help them to do this. It'll destroy them. He, he wargamed every aspect and it will do, but they couldn't help it. Because why did Jeffrey Dahmer kidnap his neighbors and inject acid in their brains and rape them and try to create zombies because he was a bad person. He was sick. He was messed up. And we could say, well, maybe we could have fixed him if we had a better childhood. Whatever. The point is, he's a real threat. Those people exist. And the low operators kidnap your kid out of the backyard, rape him and kill him. The low operators rape your daughter. The low operators rip you off. The low-level operators kidnap their neighbors and, you know, rape them. But the high operating psychopaths and sociopaths and their order takers, who are the real enablers, are very real. And admitting they're real is the beginning of stopping them. I, I had just listened to a podcast the other day. Uh, it was an interview with a British doctor on psychopathy, sociopathy, and, and basically explaining uh, the professions in which you see the most psychopathic traits, lawyers, politicians, doctors, just to name a few of the top five. And just a warning for everybody out there, there's currently a fake news tweet going around, allegedly an article from The Conversation saying, the unvaccinated knew why didn't they warn us? People are thinking it's true. It's fake. It's, it's a parody or, you know, it's an actual fake thing. But the reason why it's so believable is because we've gotten to that point that, Alex, you're describing right now, where even the reluctant people from the beginning are now saying, I know exponentially more people who have died or been injured by the vaccine than from COVID itself. Maybe it's time to stop going on the third or fourth shot. You got, what's the guy's name, Robert? The one who uh, had the dead intern in his office, um, married to Mika Brzezinski? Joe Scarborough. Scarborough. Scarborough's, uh, I don't know when the show is from, saying, 
oh, geez, I was wiped out from COVID after my third shot. If I only had gotten the fourth shot, you know, I it would have been better. Not thinking for a second that maybe you got it and were so wiped out because of and not despite of, but I, I, other people with, with, you know, more open minds are getting there. But Alex, um, did I lose my thought there? The vaccine. No, 9-11 is basically Operation Northwoods come to fruition, except it couldn't be faked anymore because it's the modern times. It had to be done for real. Uh, and now we're into this pandemic where, like you explained, and it sounds crazy to say it all in one sentence, initially denied um, you know, that there's even this lab in Wuhan. Then it's discovered. Denied that it could be man-made. Then you know, it becomes a perfectly legitimate option, according to The Lancet. Then Fauci denies gain-of-function research in Wuhan, then has to admit that we do it through a third-party NGO, but denies it's gain-of-function, even though it's gain-of-function. Uh, I saw you with Alex Stein in an interview where... For the first time ever, I think you were more optimistic than your guest. Stein is not so convinced people are waking up. You are. I, I want I want a little inspiration based on what what's your what's your what is allowing you to come to that conclusion of optimism, and where does it go from here? Well, I told my wife again three four years ago, and Barnes has been here. He's been out there many times. We get mainly love, but we get yelled at some. We go out with Roger Stone. It's bad. I go out with Roger Stone now, and everybody loves him here in Austin. I mean, I. I I use that as, okay, I'm well-known, and I used to go to the grocery store and shake 20 hands and have one person scream at me. Now, I mean, I'm knocking on wood because I don't like it happening. I'm getting nothing but love, and Elon Musk is coming out against it, and, you know, uh, Scott, well, what, uh, the guy that does Dilbert. Yeah, Scott uh, you know, Adams even confessed yes, he was wrong. Yeah, yeah Scott Adams. I mean, it's, it's BBC is allowing people on there. Yeah, so so it's just everywhere. I mean, so I just go off what I'm seeing, and, you know, it'd be like racism in the South and saying, you know, hey, in the 1960s, they were blowing up black churches, and the year 2023, the left says it's everywhere. It really isn't. You can see the progress. And I, and I think, I mean, it'd be like a black person, you know, who's teleported from 1965 at a at – a, restaurant where they're not allowed to go in and order food or go to the bathroom and they're teleported to the year 2023 and they walk right into a hotel and they get great service. Everybody's nice to them. I mean, I just see it that I have been hated and attacked and I don't see that now. And, and I mean, we don't screen our calls on my show weekdays, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at Infowars.com. And we say, please call and disagree. And I get like one person going, Hitler's good. You work for the, you know, Jews and we're going to, I mean, like no one that is reality-based calls into the show and used to, if I said call in and disagree, maybe 10% disagreed. So I, I just, you guys are well-known. You see it out there. I mean, how much hate are you getting, Robert? Uh, you know, Viva, how much hate are you getting? I mean, I don't think much. Well, I mean, I remember when I uh, first uh, was uh, representing you, I had a lot of people say, don't do it. Don't go down there. Fox News is going to blacklist you. Uh, there were clients that quit and said, oh, I can't be, you know, that he's too controversial. I had a, law a lawyer work for me who quit. And I remember telling people two things. One, the mere fact that that was happening, that there were law firms not willing to represent you because they didn't want to worry. They, they didn't want their social club to be unhappy with them or whatever. That was all the more reason. Uh, to defend you and represent you. Uh, and at the peak of the Sandy Hook trial, you know, we, we were doing a lot of that. Beeb and I were doing a lot of that work because it was critical that people know how critical this case is. The more other people were quiet about it was all the more reason to be loud about it. But what I've seen over the time period is the same thing you're documenting. More and more people are realizing Alex Jones has been right all along. 
And, and InfoWars has been the tip of the spear all along, that the reason they're wanting, and they got to see the complete crock of a trial process. And they're like, if he's guilty, why won't you let him defend himself? Why won't you allow the evidence in? Well, they, these judges seem off the charts. And then they got to see everything with the pandemic. And that's what I was going to ask you. How inspiring was it? Like, I remember we were, we were talking. I came down to the show for you for a little while because uh, it was shocking to see what was happening in March of 2020. Almost all the conservative media was being quiet. Uh, everybody was just playing ball with, yeah, we got to do the lockdowns. Yeah, we got to take away everybody's rights. Yeah, we got to do mass house arrest. Yeah, we've got to play ball with Bill Gates's agenda. And you're one of the only people screaming, no, 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 this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And within a few weeks, of uh, you, we, we had protests all across the country challenging these lockdowns at the local level, the state level, the federal level. And in every single one of those protests, it was InfoWars supporters who were who were the leader, the organizer, the orchestrator of those protests. And despite efforts to infiltrate them by the feds, despite efforts to censor them by their employers, by big tech, by the government, they continued with it. They were deliberate with it. They stayed with it. They stuck with it. And because of that great work of the InfoWars audience at fighting it out there in the streets, we were able to put an end to this much quicker than would have been otherwise. We didn't get to re-experience the 1920s eugenics era, you know, that uh, continued unabated where nobody was protesting, nobody was really resisting, led to the rise of Nazism in, uh, in, in Germany, rise of fascism, rise of communism, et cetera. How inspiring was it to see people take action, use all that information they gathered from following you over the years, and it really translate to real policy that saved real lives in the end by stopping these lunatic lockdowns? Well, I want to ask you both that because you're both busy guys. We'll tape a special show or come on my main show, and then I'll shut up and let you guys talk because I love you guys. I watch you guys almost every day whenever I'm in the car or have time or at the gym. I'm listening to you guys because it's the best show out there. But that's what I wanted to come on because I, I ran home today at like five o'clock to eat dinner with my wife and youngest daughter that still lives with me. I'm so old now. My other three kids have moved out. They're you know, above 18. And I was driving in here in traffic, hoping I would get here because the traffic's back. One good thing about the lockdown being over for a while, it's finally coming back. And I was thinking, what do I want to say? And it was just that, that it was you guys and everybody else and the listeners watching right now that beat that. And this was their big gamble. This was their... Their total takeover operation, this was their Operation Lockstep, Rockefeller Foundation, New World Order, Disease X, power grab to bring in the world ID, and then use that as a foundation for the carbon tax, universal basic income, uh, the social credit score, which they now all admit, and they just expected to steamroll over, and now everywhere you go, they're being thrown out of office, the numbers show people are waking up. Mainline scientists are joining us, not just all the other great scientists that came out, prestigious as well. And I'm really proud of humanity. Uh, and so, yeah, in fact, you just reminded me, it's not about tooting our horn, it's showing new listeners that tune in every day. Because the, the paradigm in InfoWars is people hear about it, they tune in for a few months, get freaked out and leave, or they wake up and kind of become aware and then just move away. It's kind of like boot camp. And then people kind of tune back in and see what's going on. Uh, but we need to show viewers and listeners we're talking about April, May, June, July, 2020. It's a Chicom virus. It's Anthony Fauci. It's gain of function. The lockdown will never end. They want to give you five, six shots. And, and people, people see those videos now, but I want to air them next week on the show or maybe tomorrow. And people say, how the hell do you know this? Because Bill Gates always covers his basis. He put out policy reports to his shareholders saying, 
This isn't going to work. It'll be five to six shots a year, though, so it's going to make a lot of money. And just this week in Australia, he said, oh, it doesn't work, but whatever. So he, they love to just hide it in plain view. Yeah, I got the biggest carbon footprint in the world. You can't have a car. You know, he said that last week in Australia. He said, I've got the biggest carbon footprint in the world. It's okay, though. You can't have a car. So they really, they've learned the trick of hiding it in plain view. And that, and that really works. You know, you, sh you show up at home and your wife's in bed with another guy, and they just act like it's no big deal. Hey, what's your problem? Hey, you know, what's your deal? And I'm not going to get into details or anything, but in the previous time of my life, that actually happened once, and you're so shocked by that, like it's no big deal, you're just like, okay. And and and, and it, that's what this is. Like, people are walking out of your house with your stolen computers. You're like, put them down. Hey, shut up, thief, these are mine. And, and, and really, that's what they're doing. But the good news is a large enough minority of people across the spectrum – Every race, color, creed, ethnicity, sex, you name it, gets this. And so once that paradigm starts, they don't get out of it. So I'm, I mean, I could ask both Aviva Fry and you, Robert Barnes, how are they going to grab victory from the jaws of defeat? Because that's what I'm really concerned about. These people aren't going to give up, but they're in a lot of trouble right now. Well, Alex, not to sound like you've influenced me too much, but, you know, when, when we see Justin Trudeau walking the streets getting heckled, I say, it's you know, that's polite. That's polite political dissent, polite political protest. My concern, you, you know what they do. We saw what they did in January 6th. I, I'm convinced, call me crazy people, you know, it was a facilitated operation and they'll just do something similar to that. That'll be so bad. They're going to say, look at these people, the ones who thought they were right, the anti-vaxxers, they're, they're, they're unhinged uh, domestic terrorists and it'll be the new spark of fear. That, that's, that's my uh, over, uh, overarching concern at all. This is that, Something's going to get set up. Something's going to get um, an incident that's going to be fabricated, real or not, that's going to um, shift the tides of the people who are now coming over to the side of the anti-vaxxers, many of whom are vaxxed, who just now realize. Uh, no, I totally agree. What are the false flags going to be? Well, you're right. And you said that. I saw you a year ago saying that because I follow what you did when you were covering the truckers. I already knew who you were and it had you on, been on yours, but I saw you covering it. You're absolutely right. And now... In Israel and in New Zealand and in Australia and in Europe and in the UK and here they're saying the anti-vaxxers are terrorists. We tell us if they're anti-vax or questioning lockdowns or more shots. We think they're about to get violent. There's no violence from anti-vaxxers, but the intelligence agencies are branding us as violent. To me, that's a big tell. Yeah, the uh, uh, I, I know we got about uh, just a few more minutes uh, before we got to wrap, but the. Uh... As a what does Alex Jones do for fun Just, it, to, to sort of check out of all the insanity, the inanity, you've been subject to every kind of political legal war known to man. You've survived it. You've managed it. You've maintained the right mindset all the way through to be able to survive it. You understand history and understand it's the way to go. So how do you just sort of check out of the system now and then check out of the matrix, do your own thing, uh, sort of refurbish your own life? How do you maintain your, your sense of positivity uh what do you do personally outside of business and work uh to uh to what does alex jones do for fun well i wish i could have hung out with you guys we were down in austin a few months ago um i, I mean i like to work for stress relief because it feels good to fight back when you're getting your ass beat it's good to fight back uh i like to hang out with you and smoke cigars and eat great barbecue and drink a few whiskeys so i want to invite viva fry down here to do that with us or i'll come up and see you guys and I like to hike. I like to swim. I like to hang out with my family. And I like to realize it's never been easy to be a human. We've gone through a lot of hard stuff before. And so I don't sit there like a victim going, man, this is hard. This is horrible. No, this is a challenge. And so 
I'm actually mad at myself. I don't do a better job. I mean, my, my biggest depressionary thing, and I don't say I don't get down sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm up 90% of the time. Is man, you could have done a better job. Or I hear something I said. I'm like, what were you thinking there? Or like, you know, but, but we're not perfectionists. We mean well. We're good. We're not the sociopaths. And so I just love this quest of fighting tyranny, learning information. Uh, but I, I love food. I love ex- I love exercise. Believe it or not, I work out quite a bit. Uh, and uh, I just I mean I and I mean I'll be point blank. You know, sex is great, and I just enjoy everything God's given us. And I and I just enjoy defeating tyrants. That's really what I do. And just just communing with humanity. I love humanity. I believe in humanity. I want to lift up humanity. The globalists say we're done. We suck. We're a horrible species. No. They're projecting their weakness onto us. Uh, let me, I got to ask you this. I don't know how much time you have left. It's, it's, it's burning my conscience and it might be confession through projection. With this billion dollar verdict that you have that you're appealing, how do you fight what I presume must be some form of frustration, if not outright rage, that it, it might feel to you like you are working every day, day in and day out to pay off future creditors, uh, judgment creditors to a process that, can only be called compromised at best. I mean, does that not uh, enrage you internally? And how do you get over that feeling? You know, <laughs> man, I've got, it was like $40,000 last week. I got some money and I got like $100,000 in the bank. And my house in Texas can't be taken by creditors. And and I got a car and I, you know, and I got an old sports jacket. And so, I mean, I kind of feel sorry for them. I think, I think they're going to file more lawsuits too. And at a certain point, I just won't even defend them. And it'll just be like a joke. I've got a lot of big media offers. I got a lot of other stuff. I'm just being loyal to my crew right now, keeping this this incarnation going. Uh, because of the type of bankruptcy, the reorganization, we can keep this on air during the appeals for years. And so what matters to me really is the crew. People say, Oh, that's just saying that. No, I mean, these people have been in the fight with me a long time and they are they know what's going on. They're informed and we're we're doing incredible things. And so I see this crew, and I don't mean this condescendingly, is like my guts or my arm or my brain or my blood. It's like mine. I'm like the gorilla with the kitten. It's mine. You're not getting it. And and so the, the crew is like in my hands. I'm the gorilla. They're the kitten. But really, it's the other way around. I'm the kitten. They're the gorilla. What I'm saying is, is that this is an adventure. This is a fight. I'm lucky they haven't killed me. I know it's been discussed. So, I mean, it's all gravy from here. And all these people thinking they're getting to me or attacking me means nothing. I just want to stay in the fight, keep exposing evil. The, the dividends of victory we're having are like a thousand to one. And so as an individual, they want to make it painful. They want to teach me. They want to teach me they're going to hurt me. Well, guess what? I'll go through a lot more pain to beat them. I like it. So it's, it's actually the opposite. I like it because I'm going to get them in the end, Viva Fry. And so they want a war. They got one. And so as long as my crew and my listeners are behind me and great people like you out there, and I see our numbers growing and all these great, new, incredibly smart people all over the place, all I see is victory, my friend. And that's why they may cause a nuclear war to shut this down and put us in a new dark age. And, and so the, we haven't beat them yet, but if they don't launch a nuclear war or a new giant bio attack that's for real, they've lost, which is why we should all be concerned because they're losing right now and they're going to pull something big. So people better get right with God right now and guard themselves for true. Absolutely. The uh, uh, Thanks, Alex. This was uh, fantastic. Uh, I'll be on tomorrow. Uh, we'll be on whenever, uh, Friday or Saturday, whatever works for you Anytime guys. Anytime you want. Viva Fry, we love you too. Infowars.com, God bless you. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Thanks, Alex. We're going we're gonna to end this down. We'll say our proper goodbyes. Everyone out there, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>